This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's the success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. Ray, what's up? Doc, everything is up, my man. How are you? I am doing really well. I'm training. Ray, listen, I am training. Like, I used to be in martial arts, and I trained a lot in kickboxing. I did Muay Thai kickboxing, and I'm back into that for my training, and I feel better than ever. I'm telling you. Man, I'm going to tell you something. You're making me jealous because I'm traveling so much right now that it's hard for me to even think about traveling right now. Mm. So it's like crazy the traveling I'm doing. And, it, and you know, even when you try to get it in, what you realize is there's a time that you have to work on the mental and then there's a time that you must work on the physical. And sometimes you got to separate those things. And I think for me, man, I had to I had to take a back seat for a few weeks. I mean, not not long, but you know how I am, man. I love to get back at it. And so I get to go home in a day and uh, I got one more day to push through. I've been on the road for almost two and a half months. I got one more day to push through. And now I can really go back into this grind before all of this, you know, the Super Bowl come up and everything coming up, man. So I'm excited, man. So good to hear well, you know, yeah, and I mean, you know what? I think it's good for people to know that you can't be all things all the time. Like you can't be, you know, nonstop uh, with your best physically, mentally, spiritually every day. There have to be moments. There are waves. There are times that things come and go. I think that's important for our listeners to hear because I think a lot of times people think that uh, you or, or or other people are always at their best every moment and every every aspect and it's just not possible you can't be in one place training and also in many places traveling at the same time so that's a really good good thing to bring up i'm i'm so excited today cuz we're talking about your journey we are getting closer and closer to that day um i'm so pumped up about it for you to be in the hall of fame i love the last couple episodes and i want to say this for our listeners too we're really excited to announce that we're coming back with Fan Fridays. Uh, we, you know, we had those busy months there in the football season, but we are coming back with Fan Fridays. Really excited about that. Have some uh, great, great questions to address. But here we are talking about your journey, Ray, into the Hall of Fame. Last time we talked about some really fun stories. Um, I couldn't stop laughing thinking about you and Peyton Manning laughing some of the battles you had but also just some of the fun stuff like you guys in a pool just enjoying yourselves laughing and talking and i wanted to see if we could dig into some more stories like that as we reflect on your career in this journey you, you know what you know what i'm gonna start it off uh and i'm gonna tell you share a story with you guys that that i think is you just never know what's gonna happen this is life right you just never know 1995, Kodak All-American, Playboy All-American. I flew out to L.A. 
And all of these guys are there, right? Keyshawn Johnson, Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice, Jonathan Ogden, um, Lawyer Malloy, Teddy Bruschi, uh, Tim Bianca Patuka. Um, I, I can, I can go down the line on how many guys were there. Eddie George, um, Zach Thomas. Oh my gosh. Mm. I can just go for days, right? And, we mess around, and there's this agent at the time, um, Dwayne Martin, great friend. He was trying to get me and trying to get Eddie George, but he was really after Eddie George, right? Because Eddie just won the Heisman and everything. Yeah, yeah. And Doc, we ended up going to his house, man, and you know we started having this little drinking contest that they they used to do at uh ohio state called smashers or something right smashers. <laughs> yeah to where you take vodka and you just smash it and then you just down vodka right <laughs> and this is that, that's how you know you're in your 20s that's early right 20s. that's right <laughs> <laughs> and, and as we start to you know get a little feeling good you know and eddie looks over which is, and with me, if nobody knows this, Eddie, me and Eddie are two of the best friends ever in life, um, no matter what we went through on the field. But he looks at me and says, man, if I ever see you in the league, <laughs> you in trouble. <laughs> and, and I say, I say, Eddie, hold on now. I say, Eddie, don't start this. Eddie, Eddie. <laughs> I say, Eddie, Big Ten football? I said, that football too slow to deal with us, man. I'm saying, man, we running. We running, man. And it ended up turning into this heated discussion. And it got so heated, Doc, we walked outside and got in Dwayne Martin's front yard and started to pull our shirts off to go at each other. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and Dwayne hopped in the middle, hopped in the middle of us, with a paintball gun and said, <laughs> and said, and said, this is how we're going to settle this. Okay. <laughs> you come back up here. We're going to see this tree over there. We're going to see who can hit the tree. And it was fun. <laughs> and it was funny because it was, it was Eddie George and he had, oh God, I hate to say his name now because he just passed away. Terry Glenn. Mm. But it was Eddie George and Terry Glenn. May he rest in peace. One of the greatest men, greatest hearts I've ever been around in my life. And, and, uh, him and Terry Glenn, it was me and Kenny Holmes, who was a defensive end, played for Tennessee many years. And we started shooting this paintball gun at this tree. So that kind of settled us down for a minute, right? And I looked over at Eddie. I said, Eddie, listen to me. If I ever saw you in the league, it's not going to end well. I'm <laughs> telling you, Eddie. And just so funny that we're drafted in the exact same division. He's with Tennessee. He's with the uh, uh, Tennessee at the time. And it's the craziest thing because they just had a way better team than us. Um, you know, him and when he got with Eddie George and uh, Frank Wachek. I mean, when he got with Steve McNair and Frank Wachek. And we transition and get to the league. 1997, we both go to the Pro Bowl. We go to a bar in Waikiki. This is the honest guy and truth. Remember now, we were... A team that just got on the map. We didn't, nobody didn't know who the Ravens was. Right, right, our right. logos, nobody wasn't familiar with anything. Doc, we get to Waikiki and we get out the car and 500 people 
I'm exaggerating a little bit, but at least 300, three, 400 people run up, run up to Eddie George. And I end up being 499. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the back of the line and everybody's asking me, well, who do you play for? <laughs> like, like, like what? Uh, Baltimore who? And it's so funny now because now we're talking about the Hall of Fame. Now we're talking about after your career. But the things that I remember before my career, the reason why I shared that story with Eddie, because Eddie motivated me. Mm. Eddie motivated me to, to, to look in another warrior's eyes and realize he's not going to give, Ray. He's not. You're not going to give. He's not going to give. So something has to be done. And the only thing was done was, I either outwork him, he he outwork me. He gonna make more. He gonna make some plays. I'm gonna make some plays. But who gonna make the play that count the most, man? And I'm telling you, like the reason why I tell that story about Eddie because Eddie inspired me to chase greatness. I mean, I watched I watched Eddie from from college, man. And I'm looking at this animal, six four, man, running the ball like that, man. And you know, nobody knew. You know, Eddie did ballet and this was just he was always into something that made him better. And I'm telling people, like, the reason why he became a great friend of mine was because I just it's a very few people I saw actually work that hard. Yeah, Yeah, he was. And he was he was a big guy. I know he went to Fork Union Military Academy the year before I went there. Um, I, I, I know he was phenomenal in that sense. Big. Do you remember your first, uh, game against him or some of those early interactions where you finally got to hit him on the field? Do I remember him? <laughs> Heck yeah, I remember him. I remember every hit. <laughs> Doc, it's certain things you don't forget. Okay. <laughs> That's stuff you don't forget. You don't, you don't forget running into a CMI. <laughs> I remember one time you told me about your jerseys and you said, uh, uh, do I have my jerseys? Yes, I have my jerseys. I earned every one of these jerseys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have so many people try to buy my jerseys. I'm like, can I buy that? Absolutely not. <laughs> Those jerseys hurt. <laughs> yeah, man. But I, I tell you, with um, I, I remember the early games of playing against them. Like I said, they were just a much better team than us. I mean, Baltimore, my first year, we was four and 12. I mean, we couldn't close the game out for nothing. Had one of the highest scoring offenses in the world with Vinny Testaverde, um, Derek Alexander, um, Michael Jackson. Oh gosh, another guy that's gone. Bro, I, you know, not to slow down and stop, but man, there's so many people that we've lost. Right. Um, that's why I tell you, when you, when you live life, you got to live it one time and, and, and don't regret nothing, nothing. Don't look back. Don't look back. But, uh, but yeah, we had Vinitas Verde, man. They went to a Pro Bowl that year. But we was just so bad on defense. You know, we had no chemistry at all. And so every time we played Tennessee, I would have great games against, against Eddie, but they would always come out on top. And so um, for years, 1997, 96, 97, 98, there was not really mentioned from a defense perspective. Now I started going to the Pro Bowl my second year. Um, and so that's when I started getting some little recognition, but you know, that war, that war, I'm telling you, watching them and what they had in Tennessee and what they were building, it was exciting to me because I wanted to build the same thing. Right. And I've told you this before. Um, one of the greatest cultures I've ever been around 
was the Pittsburgh Steelers culture, you know, because because that history and that legacy of that was just so amazing. And I wanted to create that in Baltimore. And you Uh-oh. did. I mean, and you Hold did. on. Wait a minute. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, man. How soon do we forget? I tried. I tried to distract. <laughs> Look at you. Potentially <laughs> trying to not talk about it. How you do not want to talk about the playoff game? Oh, stop. I can't talk about it. I can't take <laughs> it. What kind of clock no. management was it? I can't take it. No. What? <laughs> I was practicing anger management yesterday. I know you had to be. You had to be, Doc. Doc, that was a that was a rough one for the for Steeler Nation. That ben, was a rough one for Steeler Nation. Ben is six five, and they're gonna go with a pitch on fourth down and six inches rather than just have him just jump over and just get that first down. And I don't know how many times they went backwards on on trying to go in forward on fourth down. I just don't understand it, why you just don't do a quick sneak right up the middle with a quarterback, especially that size. I don't understand it, Ray. It's it's a couple of things I did not understand, but what I will give respect to is the Jacksonville Jaguars on defense are really good. They're very good. I'm not taking away anything from Jacksonville. I just feel like some decision-making, my goodness, I don't want to talk about it. I just felt like the decision-making, please – I gotta understand that. Well, uh, from, right, a, from, right, from, no, a def- from a linebacker's perspective, though, what, why not? Like, how do you? I mean, that quarterback sneak is so difficult when it's just a few inches. Like, it's not. I, I just don't get it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why you would run a toss on a fourth down and one. You know, if, if you're back. if you're that afraid of Calais Campbell. And how big they are, you know, in their in their front four. I get that, but to run a toss against one of the fastest defenses in football, yeah, that has corners that actually come up and tackle, yeah. it's just not a good decision, dog. No, just and no. then, and then the other decision that got me is why would why would you onside kick? When you have two timeouts left, oh my goodness! And you have the two-minute warning. If you kick the ball off and you stop them on first down, you go to the two-minute warning and still get the. And if you do your job and get the ball back, you have a minute and something left on the clock. Do you see? You see? Um, I mean, like my head in my hands right now because of that. <laughs> because um, had they, and then on top of that, on the first, when they did get the ball, when they did get the ball. There were two minutes and nine seconds. They ran a play that could. There was down to two minutes six seconds. They could have called a quick timeout and then had that and the two minute warning. Still had their two minutes, two timeouts. I just the decision making was very. It was tough. It's easier on Monday morning to step back and look at what could have happened yesterday. So I definitely am not going to criticize. I'm just questioning. I don't understand it. It's it's challenging. It's the same thing I said when I'm watching the Atlanta Falcons. You get on the three-yard line in Philly, and you know Matt Ryan does not have the ability to run the ball for whatever reason he can run, but he won't run. And then you don't run the ball one time. You have two timeouts, a minute and 19 seconds on the three-yard line, and you don't give Freeman or – oh, my God. Let me tell you something. You know, when you watch – 
I'm gonna, and I'm gonna share this with you, Doc, because this is what I started to learn about the game of football. The great, the great teams, not individual play, the great teams, the great teams. And I, I don't, and I want somebody that's listening, become a historian and look up these facts. Look up the facts of how many less mistakes the great teams make in crucial decisions in crucial in with, with, with crucial moments on the line. You know, everybody, you know, raid, you know, goes crazy about, you know, New England, New England, New England, the Patriots, the Patriots. But I want you to watch their decision making. They play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And, you know, you think about these coordinators, these offensive coordinators who think they're so smarter than everybody else. But they forget the game is about going north and south. It'll never change. Yeah. East East and west only works a few times. And, and tell me this before we'll take our first break. I have to know how, as a, as doing everything you did, you, you've said this a million times. You've, you lived, you led your life by this and you've t- taught this, um, since you were uh, retired, which is greatness is a lot of little things done well. So yesterday when the Saints missed that tackle in that other game, when he didn't wrap up, when there was no time remaining, when all he needed to do was, let him catch it. Just hold on to him. Tackle him. How mad? I mean, how, what were you thinking watching that? As you set that example for people, wrap your arms. You know, you know what it showed you. It just shows you that people are not totally in tune to the situations in games. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the entire. New Orleans Saints defense was supposed to be having one conversation. Back up to the 20, let nobody out of bounds, and all we have to do is tackle the man because they have 10 seconds on the clock, they do not have a timeout, and they have no time to do nothing else. And so when you're having that conversation as a unit, then when you see someone make the mistake he made, Doc, I've always said this. There's two type of people in sports. There's people who make plays and there's people who watch plays be made. Mm. Mm. It's simple. It's simple. It, it, and uh, Forget what he did, why he did it, because I, I still don't understand it to this, to this day. Yeah. That if you wanted to be remembered, now, you can, be, you can become popular, and he's very popular right now for doing something he, he shouldn't have done. Yeah. But if he wanted to be remembered... He delivers a hit on Diggs on that fourth down, tackles him to the ground, and run off and say, look what I just did. You you just said the key, too, as a unit. And then I like the way you phrase that because this is everybody. Like, yes, that man needed to learn what he needed to learn, and I hope he grows from this situation. But as a unit. They needed to have had the conversation. This is our situation. And this is something, and we'll move into break from this, but this is something that people can take in life, no matter what you're going through in life as a unit, as an organization, as a family. You can step back and ask yourselves, what are we going through? We call this show Tackling Life in any aspect of your life as a unit. What can you talk about to prepare for whatever situations are coming your way? Hey, we're going to keep plugging away at all of this Tackling Life right after this. Stick with us. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. 
Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, we're back. And uh, my goodness, there's so much going on. But I want to come back to your journey, Ray, because there's so much fun stuff. Like, I love, love listening to these stories. I have some questions for you about some of the people that you played with, some of the things that you did. Um, I kind of want to go to the hits. I've seen some hits. Well, I've been watching some of your hits recently. <laughs> I have, there was a great hit one time. You hit uh, uh, Chad o- Ochocinco, and he he uh, he got up and he stumbled. And he was like, "I I I hit Ray by accident." <laughs> you had just leveled him. Um, some of your hits were from from just I mean the legendary hits. What are some of your favorite hits that you did that you when you think back on? What are some of your favorite hits? Man, can I? I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna combine hits with plays. Okay. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. You know, one of my, I think one of my most memorable plays ever. We was playing the San Diego Chargers at the time. They were San Diego, um, in 1998, and Junior Seau was playing over there. But on offense, they had who I've always loved and admired. Which was Eric Metcalf. Mm-hmm. I loved him too. And you remember, yes, oh my gosh, but you remember how fast Metcalf was. Fly. fly. Oh my gosh, he can flat out fly. Right? And in 1998, we're playing them, Doc. And he catches a slant backside on our slot receiver, on my slot corner, um, Deron Jenkins. Um, I think it was Jenkins that was covering him. And he catches a slant backside. And when I turn around, he's about five to seven yards already in a dead sprint. But, Doc, this is when I'm – I came from Miami. All we know is running. Yes. That's all we know. And I took out after him, Doc. And 67 yards down the field on the seven-yard line, I caught Eric Metcalf by the collar. That's unreal. And I pulled him down. And I will never forget this. Marvin Lewis and as well as Antonio Langham came to me and said, that play will forever define your career. Mm. The, the next play, they threw an interception in the end zone to Antonio Langham. And I'm telling you, and we ended up losing that game. We lost a lot of games. It's going to be funny. But but I remember us getting in film. And I remember how many times Marvin Lewis rewind this film <laughs> and, and, and said, I just watched a middle linebacker run one of the fastest guys we've ever had play this game down. 
And it was all based off effort. Wow. And that's, and I'm telling you, doc, that from that type, that play for me set a standard in my career that I wasn't taking no breaks. Uh, that when the that when the ball snapped, beat me to the football, cause I'm gonna be there. Mm. I, I I don't care what nobody say. It don't matter who trying to block me, how many of them. It don't matter. I'm gonna find a way to be at the party. That's what we <laughs> call the ball, the party. Yeah. <laughs> I, but that is that that does that exemplifies what your career is is the effort. And to be able to track somebody down like that, I mean, Ray, and think about how much, because he was a smaller guy, so you had to outweigh him by 40 or more pounds easily. Listen, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Not even 40, probably 60. Jeez. Yeah, because, you know, he was, he was, you he know, was yeah, yeah, a little scat back. But, but I'm going to be honest, too. 1998, I may have been, oh my gosh, maybe 220. Maybe two twenty, two thirty, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't two fifty, two fifty five when I, I became that thumper. You know, doc. <laughs> you know, doc. I had. I had to go into life and change to become a thumper. Thumper. <laughs> yes, uh, doc. You got to say it like that, thumper. Because I because I had to deal with. Think about my division. I had to deal with Fred Taylor twice. I had to deal with Eddie George twice. I had to deal with Jerome Bettis twice, and I had to deal with Corey Dillon twice. Mm. That's what my run. That's who I had to see every year, and they were run. And this is when it was old school football, right? Yeah, this right. wasn't about no trickery. This right. is north and south, downhill. Put a man on a man, and I can have success. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a different time. It was a different time. It was it was a different time, but the culture of sports remain intact. I ain't trying to trick nobody. <laughs> I ain't trying to trick nobody. And man, and so, but that play in 98, I'm telling you, it, it, it forever changed the way I looked at the game. And then when I started to really evolve into this, this guy, you know, you bring up the Ocho Cinco thing. It was certain people I, I don't even play with. It's like, <laughs> it's like receivers and tight ends. I'm like, child, please, y'all better stop playing. <laughs> y'all better, y'all better stay out there and don't come in here. There's, there's some, there's called, there's something called a no fly zone in here. And as long as 52 in here, it's, it's just a good day for you not to come this route. <laughs> <laughs> there were some big tight ends. Were there tight ends that could, uh, like, I, I know there were, so like Heath Miller is a big tight end. He was a big tight end. Um, I wonder yeah. if there were some tight end I don't know, receivers. I mean, it's a different ball game. Um, I know you had some battles, uh, you know, or I know that Heinz Ward took a lot of shots. <laughs> you, you, you hit, you hit my boy Heinz a lot. Um, but were there some tight ends or, or, or receivers that you, not that they were going to be able to hang, but they were like, okay, now these guys are going to be coming for me, especially on those crackdown blocks. You know what's, you know what's funny is, and this is where the game has changed. When we were playing, when I was playing coming up, Doc, that position was for one reason, the enforcer. Mm. Yeah, this wasn't no, you know, nowadays, you know, as good as as good as backers are now, you know, like a Luke Keith Lee, whatever, whatever, they're just they're just, you know, just making tackles. Right. 
I, I wasn't making tackles. I, I was I wanted to punish you. <laughs> I wanted to let you know it was not a pretty day. If you feel you bold enough, I understand you a man. I understand you put on your pants one leg at a time, just like I do. <laughs> then I'm also going to understand it's a it's a educated decision. <laughs> on what you want to do with your career if you're, if you're trying to come in my way, man. So if, if that position, if you think about the Mike Singletaries, if you think, think about the Willie Lanier's, the Dick Buckers's, if you think about the – let's even go from that position. Let's go to the Ronnie Lots, man, the Steve Atwaters. That – we're taking out something in today's game – that was the reason why guys like that played the game for that one hit in the game that made everybody say, Ooh, you had that. I, you listen, yeah. Ray, you had that hit on Jerome Bettis. I mean, I'm telling you, it was watching him at his 260 plus running full speed and you hit him so hard one time. It was at in Pittsburgh. I had just pulled this highlight up. Um, today I was watching these highlights. I mean, really, anybody that hasn't really had a chance, any of the younger listeners who haven't really had a chance to watch your career from back in the day, go on YouTube and, and look at this. But um, you hit Jerome Bettis so hard one day. I mean, the sound, it, it's I can't believe he got up. I really can't believe he got up. Well, it, one, one, Once again, I just saw him the other day um, when I was down there for the uh, Unarmed All-American game. And it's funny, man, because me and him are great friends. But I'll never forget Dan Deardorff was doing the commentary on that game. And they ran a screenplay. And, you know, I like I said, back then, your your reputation wasn't based on how many Twitter followers you had. Your reputation was based off what the dude you was playing against felt like when the game was over. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys, have you ever talked about that hit? Because that hit was like, that was a legendary, legendary hit. Not only, not only did we talk about those hits, man, but see, me and him, me and him has to be careful when we're, 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 when we're with each other, right? Because we're like, we're touchy feely guys, you know, just like when I walked up on him, I, I grabbed him so hard and I told him the first thing I always say, I said, stop playing now. I ain't finna get into that. But man, I'm telling you, like th those hits, doc, it was it was a level of respect that came because you got to remember now this is these are these are these are full speed car crashes. Yes. Like ain't ain't no ain't no you know I'm finna you know duck. Uh 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 uh. Don't duck on me. Well, Don't look, duck look, on me. no no. And think about it. This um, we talked about this in the past on this show. But when they did that sports science show on you and they showed you hitting harder than a battering ram on a door, um, that's, I mean, that wasn't, I don't even know that that hit, I think you went faster on this one particular hit that I'm talking about with Jerome, the same one you're talking about with Dan Dor Deardorff announcing, where you hit him moving at that speed. So it was un unreal when we talk about the measuring the speed and power that you actually would hit with. I mean, it was unbelievable. Let's go to some questions about I have for you about some of the toughest, if not your best, of the toughest running back you ever played against. Who would either the toughest or the top three? Who would your toughest running back you ever played against? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Doc. Um, in college, the most 
and, and for many years, one of the toughest running backs I ever played against. Tragic ending to his life, tragic ending to his story, but was Lawrence Phillips. Mm. Um, I'm talking about just a straight football player. Mm. I, I, I'm talking about, listen here, let's, let's get it. Let's get it. Buckle up both chin straps because I'm here all day. And in 94, I came from about 10, 12 yards off. Now I was about just 205 at the time. But I hit this man so hard in the national championship game. And I hit him and I knocked him back by three yards. And he shook it off, Doc. He closed his eyes and he shook it off. He said, Ray, you're going to have to kill me out here. <laughs> I'll be right back. I said, Lord, Sap, we got a football player over there. <laughs> I said, Sap, buckle up because it's going to be a long day, long day. But when I got to the league, man, I had one of the, the one of the best running backs, I'm telling you, of all time that doesn't get the credit he should get is probably Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor. Yeah, Doc, let me tell you something. You ain't seen nothing that big and can move that fast. You got to remember, Fred running four threes, you know. So wow. Fred coming up. Yeah. That's yeah. fast. That's Man, ridiculous Doc, fast. Doc, at 230, 225, 230. Jeez. That, he was the one guy we used to watch film with. He's the one guy we used to watch film when we used to say, listen, do not peek your head inside. Stay outside. Because if he get outside this box, he outrunning definitely linemen, definitely linebackers. DBs, ain't no chance of catching Freddie T. Mm. And, man, I'm telling you, man, he gave us problems, Doc. He gave us problems. And, man, I'm telling you, just skill-wise, and then LaDainian Thomason, was one of the most craftiest running backs I probably ever faced in my life. Mm. But but Marshall Falk was 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 like running on air. Like mm. to watch to watch Falk run the football, it was like running on air, you know? Mm. And and then doc, I mean, I can go so many places with running backs because I was a fan, right? And so for me being a fan, I respected these guys much differently than just competing against them. I saw them as a real opportunity to take my greatness or my level of greatness to another level by competing with that type of not only physicality, but that type of ability. So let me ask you this while studying those running backs. Have you ever seen a, a running style like Le'Veon Bell's style? Yeah, and you know, I think um, I think the one person he did it a little bit differently. He did it with much more force. But if you think about the way Barry Sanders ran the football, mm-hmm. because of the lack of offensive line he's he's had over the years, he always had to start stop start. Yes. Yeah, that's what that that's what when I when I see Le'Veon doing that. The first person to come to my mind is Barry. That's a compliment because Barry Sanders was, I think, the greatest running back. He was so he was so good in that stopping and starting, you know. And and one of the things that made them so good, and I want you to think about this, that people don't think about why Le'Veon Bell is so skillful with doing it. His feet are never out of balance. 
if you understand what I'm saying. Yes. So so when he makes that that lateral cut, he's not extending his legs so wide where he comes back. I I, I can guarantee you this. If you watch Le'Veon Bell running style, there's very few times that his feet go outside of his shoulder width. That is a phenomenal point. Because talking about all this, re for me, retraining in martial arts and bringing up all the stuff that I trained in for so long when I was young and I'm, and teaching my daughter. That's how I kind of got back into it as I started teaching my daughter. And as you go through it, like that being in balance is a key. And that's a part of life is a key thing is being in balance. So that to me is fascinating. That's the part that you see with him. Because I studied him. So I studied him. And let me tell you why I studied him. I studied him because I studied Barry. And now Barry is different. Now let me tell you why. This is where height plays a role. See, Barry's a much shorter, so Barry is closer to the ground. Right. So Barry's steps is like tree trunks when he steps. So his lateral movement is much wider than his shoulders. Mm. Because that's where his strength is. His strength is in his thighs. See, if you, if you ever no, but yeah. Well, I was gonna say like we've talked before about Bruce Lee and watching Bruce Lee and how he turned things like Bruce Lee's one leg was shorter than his other, which is why he actually started the style that he started. And from listening to you right now about you, the master, watching another master in Barry Sanders seeing okay he was shorter and so someone might look and say right off the bat well bigger is better and here this running back is shorter yet he was so phenomenally great and and what i'm hearing you say is he took advantage of the fact that he was shorter and used his advantage 100 percent. that's what made his stopping and starting so dominant he would extend so far that you would commit you would commit to that side thinking he's going there but because of his his short stocky body he could change direction so quickly that it'll blow your mind see i here's i just got really really excited because anybody out there i just want to stick with football for a second any young person out there listening and getting to hear your wisdom on this I think you just gave a key that if I'm a young person right now, I'm doing this all day long, practicing balance, because that's something that you can do even when you're not on the field. That's something that you can concentrate on all as you're walking, when you're in your room, just sitting there in front of a mirror, but constantly practicing balance. And that, to me, Ray, I feel like you just handed a lot of young people a very absolute key to being successful. You know what makes, um, and not to make the transition to animals, but do you know what makes cats so dynamic? Hmm. Is their balance. Hmm. That's the difference of a cat and a dog, right? A dog runs through force. A cat runs by grace. Hmm. And so cats are much more under control than dogs are. Hmm. But when you think about you, when you think about some of the greatest runners of all time, go back to Eric Dickerson's, go back to Tony Dorsett's, go back to Walter Payton's, go back. You, when you think of what they were, they were poetic. Yeah. Yeah. When you think of Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell is saying, I'm going to let everybody else use their thrust up. I'm going to save my thrust 
until I see the exact hole I want to hit. Mm. So it's pat, so it's tip, 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 tip out, mm. tip, 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 tip hit. And so if I was to play against him, what I would make him do is he would have to choose. And what I mean by that is the same hole that he's looking for, I'm going to tease him to make him think I'm going to go in that hole that he's tipping in, but I guarantee you know he's got to come back to where now this is where people playing against him don't don't play against him as a team. And I watched it yesterday against Jacksonville, and that's why I said to you earlier, Jacksonville is a good defense, but they have a long way before they become a great defense. Mm. Now, let me tell you why. One of the reasons why is because it takes time. Doc, if I could show you, uh, if, if, if I can give someone the example of this, when you're, when you pull out your shoestring, when you feel your shoestring loose, you have to go to the bottom of your shoe, tighten it from the bottom, and keep coming up, right? Right, right. Be- be- because why? Because you're dealing with one string. See, on defense, when you become a great defense, you're on one string. Mm. Oh, That's man. an awesome analogy. <laughs> this, is when, this is when football becomes fun. When you know there's no holes or no no looseness in the shoestring because everybody is tightening up and doing their job, then now I will make him come to the hole that he has to come to. I have chills. I love that. Because yeah. everyone has to be one string. Listen, this is what's crazy. This is what's crazy. And this is what makes... I, and, and I want you to go through the history. If we have visuals, I'm telling you something that we need, maybe need to think about with our podcast as we go further is actually having a way where we can start to record these things where you can show a visual. Mm-hmm. Because if I can show you the visuals of all of the great defenses of what is not great individual plays, I'm talking about front seven. I'm talking about the passing game when everybody is on one accord. Mm. The Jacksonville Jaguars gave up. I counted. They gave up eight big plays yesterday. They gave up five in the run game, and they gave up three in the passing game. And guess what the result was? They was not on one strain. Mm. See, they got so many great players that sometimes greatness says, oh, I'm going to do it myself. But if you take the liberty to do it yourself, you're going to leave a hole or you're going to leave that shoestring untight. I love that analogy. And it's ego that says it. Ego that says it. I'm going to do it by myself. Right? Ego is the one that ego, our ego says, I'm going to do this by myself. But when you can set that ego aside and be a part of that unit and be a, and understand that you're a part of that one string, right? That, that's analogy. This is getting, it's, I'm excited about it because it applies as everything we talk about to so many things in life, but that is in life. huge. Yeah, in life though, but it's the same string in life, right? It's the same string, mind, body, spirit. Yep. If mind, body, and spirit, if all of those things ain't tightened up the same, then somebody going to be able to look at your life and say, oh, your life untied. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Yeah, doc. Like, man, you got to tie things up. And when you, that's what makes great teams so hard 
to stay together because shoestrings don't they don't have a choice. The only choice they have is when you pull it, it must go. Oh. See, see, but when you when you talk to people and you push or pull people, uh, some of them can go, some of them can't go, some of them hesitate, some of them doubt, some of them fear. But man, when you got everybody on one accord, man, I used to look at Rod Wilson. Oh my gosh, let me tell you guys a story. Man, I used to look at Rod Wilson and said, look here, you handle the back end, I got the front end. And I'll never forget it. Rod Wilson walked up to me one day and said, Suge, let me tell you something. You handle the front seven. I got this back end. And from that day, I said, I don't care who we play. Ain't nobody can beat us because we don't want to call it. When, when, honestly, I want to hear some stories about you because you had, you had Rod Woodson, uh, you had, uh, Ed Reed. I mean, the, the way you got, the way you were dialed in with your defense. You were on, you were on this one string. This was the epit. I love this analogy. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're, we're staying on this. So just stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Man, I love this, Ray. I love this whole idea of one string. Like I'm really, really excited about it. You started right before the break telling us about Rod Woodson, how he, you just ended up tr- you trusting because you knew that. So you, is there something that our listeners, can take to learn how to get people. How did you get everybody on one string? I understand when you understand you because it sounds to me like part of it for you and your in your hole was trusting someone else was going to take care of his hole. So it was going to like okay, I know Rod Woods is going to take care of that area. I'm going to take care of this area. So is it trust? How do you get everybody on that same page? Let me tell you how you get everybody on that same page. I told you this. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You asked me what's the true definition of being a man. I told you it was being the example. Mm. If you want to make something get on one string, if you want to make a total defense play the way it's supposed to be, become the example. Mm. When you walk in a meeting room on practice and coach tell you that you got the A-gap, and not only do you do the A-gap, but you do way more by getting to the A-gap and then tearing up anything in the A-gap. People, your peers respect that, man. Man, you you become a leader just by people watching you, Doc. Mm. You ain't got to say much sometimes. Sometimes, man, you got to go in there. And when you're trying to get everybody on one screen, I used to tell everybody, beat me to the football. Mm. If you faster than me, if you a DB, then beat me to the football. <laughs> I told Warren Sapp in college, Daddy, Big Daddy, I love you with all my heart, but it's one thing I'm going to tell you you're going to have a problem with, and that's beating me to the football. <laughs> my, 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 my roommate, I'm sitting right here in the apartment now, a uh, uh, Rohan Marley. Rohan played weak side linebacker me. I used to tell Ro all the time, Ro, you ain't beating me to the football. <laughs> but you know what it did? It created a one-string mentality. Mm. It created saying... If my guy is going to do everything he needs to do right, then guess what? I need to do everything I'm doing right. Mm. And then it goes from two to three, from three to five, from five to seven. And then you go from seven to 11. 
And you know, most 7-Elevens open 24 hours. <laughs> that was a great transition right there. <laughs> that was a great transition. I, I, I'm, I'm really genuinely, like my hand is tired from writing so fast because I'm sitting there jotting notes down as you're talking. Um, I think this applies, I know this applies to anyone from organizations to your family to operate on one string and to do it by taking care of your job, not focusing on what other people should or shouldn't be doing or did or didn't do, but on what you're doing by leading, by being the example. This to me, my goodness, that is, this is really one of those light bulb moments where it's it's kind of like to get on this analogy to understand this analogy this is transformative for teams like this is the winning recipe right here for teams every everything okay okay so i like to give people visuals i want i like to give them visuals that you can see like right now so listen to this when you watch the games this past weekend i want you to think about this Every big run came from somebody making a selfish decision to simply say, this one play, I'm too tired to do my job. This one play, I, I'm, I'm going to do it this way. Mm. But let me tell you where the accountability is. And this is where I go back to that Saints play at the end. If you're accountable to your teammates, then you don't assume they know it. You communicate it to them to make sure they know it. Mm. That's what makes greatness great. That's what makes greatness the most consistent thing you will ever do in your life. It's because you have figured out the formula on how to make someone else next to you consistent by simply communicating with them. Why do divorces happen, Doc? Why do relationships break up, Doc? Why do people take me? You've said this many times. People in life. Why do people take what you do and they take what your actions, but never understand your intent? It, it's it comes down. I agree with you. I agree with you. Communication. Think about all from from arguments, from 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 fights that break out when people are when you're in the supermarket when and and there's there's people getting upset. It's communication. If people understood each other's stories, if they understood what was going on, that would change communication. I like. I I just I really have to highlight this because the way you phrase that every run every big run happened because. Someone that says, basically, this one play, I'm too tired to do my job. When I taught counselors and trained marriage and family therapists, I used to say to them, I said, if you ever ask me, what's going to be on, is this going to be on the test? You might as well just quit the program because I don't, I don't want you to be in this field. And the reason why I get so upset about that is I'd say, look, don't ask me if it's going to be on the test because if it has, if it's in the book, if it's in the lectures, it's got a chance to be on the test. Because which client are you going to sit in front of one day when they're going to tell you something and you're going to be like, you know what? I didn't really study your issue. I was kind of, t I was too tired to study your issue in school. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to that chapter. Um, so you can't ever sacrifice someone. Every person matters. Every interaction matters. So this one play, I'm too tired to do my job. That's a that's a very important statement to understand because this is what happens in life. Yes, 
it places a lot of emphasis on us to do our best all the time. But as you said earlier, when you're thinking about some of the players, some of your friends, some of your brothers that you lost because uh, they've passed away. I saw today the lead singer of Cranberries passed away. Life goes by so quickly, and this is our time right now. So to take advantage of that and not be too tired to give our best in every moment. I'm not saying you have to be the best in every moment, because that's unrealistic, but what you can do is give the best with what you have in every given moment. Doc, this is the hardest thing you ever do. But it's the easiest thing you will ever do once you do it. Is you just simply have an open conversation with somebody. Now they say that's hard. They say it's hard. Cause they say when people stuck in their ways, they stuck in their ways. But if you don't know, you don't know. Right. Ted Marchabroda, my first head coach, he passed to, he's always say something. You don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Rod Woodson one day and I said, Paco, I called him Paco. <laughs> I said, will you trust, do you trust me? He said, bro, I trust you with all of my heart, bro. I say, do you? I say, Paco, cause listen, man, where I am in life right now, bro, I got to get to a Super Bowl. He said, why? I say, Paco, because I want to see you touch a Lombardi trophy, man. Doc, this wasn't even about me. Mm. I wanted to see one of the greatest to ever do it, who was treated wrong because of an injury leaving Pittsburgh. Mm. Right? Yep. They, 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 say, they say somebody curses another man's blessing. Yeah. So I'm glad y'all let him go. I didn't want them to let him go. I'll tell you that. But when, I looked to know at, that. <laughs> but when I when I looked at this man in the eye and he said, what it is it you he said, what is it you want me to do? I said, first thing I want to do is I want to learn what it means to be great. I want to know how to work out. But most importantly, listen to me. What I built up front in this front seven, ask Rod Woodson this conversation. If you ever ran into him, ever. Because this man, me and this man bought into something, man. This is what I'm trying to tell somebody that's listening today. Sometimes if you want things to change in life, communicate with people. See, that's the problem with social media. There's no communication in social media. You pick up and you read articles and you just post what your reaction says post. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever seen that our world has fell into. And that's why I keep going back to the scripture. If many are called and few are chosen, then the hell with social media and all these people that just want to tweet and follow and like. Mm. Because I'm trying to find the few that's willing to do it for change. Mm. I'm I'm trying to find the few that's willing to have communication with people instead of just judging someone based off what you think or my bad. Oh, I forgot. You want to join the crew because everybody else following their liking. Yep. Yep. I, I dedicated something to that guy. And I looked at Rod Woodson and I said, Rod, don't worry about the run. You just make sure the ball don't get over your head. Hmm. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care whoever, no, what nobody wants to compare. The greatest defense 
in the history of 16 games, you pull up the numbers and you pull up any number of any other defense and you and I will go man per man and you show me where they better than us at. And that wasn't because of talent. That was because everybody bought in to be a part of the shoe shrink. Mm. Mm. Did you have that analogy back then? I had that analogy in college. That's what made us so dominant in college. I used to always tell Sap, Daddy, we on a string. We on a string. When you go front side, don't come back. Trust me. Because once you go front side, I'm cleaning up your backside. Wow. Wow. That was two was two thousand, that was the year of your the the defense. That was the that was the statistically best defense ever. Yeah, yeah. By far. Two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there's so much. I'm so I love this, man. This is part some of the most fun is talking about this. I mean, and all of this, let me remind our listeners, is en route to, you know, your journey to the Hall of Fame. I mean, what a what a beautiful legacy. Seventeen years. A legend, living legend. I mean, from from the beginning of your career to the statue to what's about to happen here in a couple of weeks. So I, I'm definitely honored to be a part of this. I, like I said, we're never. I never had none of these shows. I was going to say like, okay, we're wrapping up this journey. This is something that's ongoing, and today was just another great step in that. Um, love, love, love the shoestring analogy. Um, I love that because that applies to everybody in so many aspects. But so I'm 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 gonna end it. I'm I'm gonna end you with this. I'm gonna end it with this. I know we've been going for a while. I'm gonna end you with this, Doc. My life came together when I started to do everything from a shoestring perspective. When I stopped just working on the physical, but I had to understand why spiritually I had to work on as equally as I worked on the physical. When I started to realize that things were broken in my life, when I started to realize that I had to be a father, I had to be a provider, I had to be a leader on and off the field, I realized one thing, that if you don't tighten up in places that you know are loose, you can never keep your shoe, you can never keep your life together. It's like trying to keep on shoes, doc, and never try and never tying up your shoe strings. Yeah. They're supposed to keep your feet intact so that you can do work. So imagine your life. And this is what the challenge is for people today. Take a pen and a pad and write down things that you need to tie up in your life. And if you're if you're the, the leader of a team, have communication with them. So you can weed out who want to be a part of the shoe string and who don't want to be a part of it. Because one thing I'm going to tell you now, everybody won't be a part of that pool. Mm. <laughs> everybody won't be a part of that pool. So sometimes you got to be willing to let go of it and retire. See, wow. so sometimes that means you got to be willing to let some people go. I, I mean, I, I, this analogy even comes back to the very beginning when we were talking about you were tra you're traveling right now, so you're not able to do the same level of intensity workouts as when you're not traveling as much as you're traveling. So when you think about a shoestring and you think about the individual holes that are there, you're yes, you're working on mind, body, and spirit. Yes, we're all doing that, but 
one and then that in fact no we're not all doing that you and i are doing that but pe hopefully people lots of people are doing it and we want you to be working on mind body and spirit but i think this part about being easy on yourself when you realize you can't do all things you can't be going through every hole all at once so in other words there are moments where you have to be putting the shoestring through one particular hole as you're lacing it up and my i'm trying what i'm trying to say and i'm hope I'm, hopefully i'm being clear about this is that if you can't be, you can't, you gotta be easy on yourself in those moments where you're not able to be doing absolutely every aspect, every moment. Because I know, I guess where I'm coming from, and maybe I should be clear about my intentions is when I know a lot of times I'll, I'll grade myself. My wife always says, you grade yourself at, at the end of every day. And sometimes I wish you wouldn't grade yourself at the every, end of every day. But if I haven't done stuff, mind, body, and spirit to the level where I'm satisfied with what I did, then I'll be a little bit hard on myself. So sometimes it, it needs to step back and say, there is an off season. There are times when you can't do all three, all those things every moment of every day. You're going to emphasize more of one over the area of the other. But the point is what you said which is to ultimately have that shoestring perspective where you are dealing with all three and you are getting them all on the same page. That's what life is. You got to be, if you're not about, look, I'm going to end this from a Hall of Fame perspective. If I didn't put enough plays together, but before the plays, it had to be practice. Before the practice, it had to be training. Before the training, it had to be a lot of praying. Before the praying, it had to be just a simple opportunity. And if you do not have your life tied up when the opportunity comes, majority of us will watch it pass by. Mm. And that's why when we're talking about the hall now, the reason why I'm so humble when I think about this, because I know sometimes in my life where my shoe strings was untied. Mm. <laughs> I know times in my life where things was just untied, man. But I realized if I got with the right people, if I put my life together, if I worked on me, if I worked on me, and if I purely made effort between me and me, um, I don't know too many things I can't accomplish in this world. If I take my vision and write my vision, if I make my foundation as strong as it's going to be, if I never let my tongue come out to curse someone or, or hurt or harm someone, if, 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 if I've always lived to please God, regardless on what my actions were. I'm talking about my intent. My intent in everything I've always did has never been to confuse or harm or disrespect nobody. But if you had to tell me to choose man, fame, or God, I'm choosing God every time. So whether you look at me and think I'm wrong or not, I got my life tied up a long time ago when I chose to be on the side of God's team. Mm. And I ain't never going against that. So when we talk about the Hall of Fame, there's something that's brewing, Doc. And I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to end you because I know we running long. When I get to that, when I get on that stage, what I'm writing right now 
will not only change lives, but it will let people realize if they wasted the time that they've had on earth. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I love you, man. I love you too. And I'm so, so excited for your Hall of Fame speech. I'm telling you, I'm so excited. Yeah, bro. Yeah. All right. To our listeners, we'll see you on Friday because we're back with the uh, twice a week. So thank you for downloading the Tackling Life podcast. For more Tackling Life content, go to tacklinglifepodcast.com. You can find links to our pages on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast sites where you can subscribe and get two all-new episodes automatically downloaded every week. When you visit the Tackling Life website, you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages where you can give us feedback, questions, ideas, and suggestions. You can also call us at 646-762-4432. That's 646-762-4432. Please embrace that shoestring perspective that Ray taught today. I think that is powerful and it's coming from a legend hey listen if you like this episode please share it with a friend until next time for the legend ray lewis i'm dr christian carter thanks to state farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives like a good neighbor state farm is there talk to your local agent today